Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Castle Rock Convention Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. Wait a minute. I've said these words before. Hundreds of times. These exact words... Oh, wait, no, maybe... No, that's not quite right. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the... Hold on, who's Lloyd? Anyway, you're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And our guest... This is very embarrassing because, CM, this is a, a guest that was brought by you, and usually yeah. I write that intro and write an intro because it's it's somewhat, it's your person and oh. I didn't write. Well, I actually wrote one for oh. you, oh, just okay. in case. Um, yeah. Welcome to the show, a man whose music gives your ears a boner, his photography <laughs> makes your eyes wet, and his thick thighs oh have God. saved no less than four lives. Please welcome to the show, Jeff Loader. Jeff. Welcome to the show. Oh, oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. So- <laughs> All right, well, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi. Before before we get any further into this interview, though, I'm going to throw it to CM because she holds the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. You have to pass her questions to make it onto the podcast. So CM, take it away. Okay, Jeff, two simple questions. Are you ready? I am. I'm so ready. Okay. The first one. How are your thighs? <laughs> uh well i think you know the answer to that but they are you know very thick with two c's maybe three thank you i uh, know what was your introduction to stephen king i've honestly been a bigger stephen king fan since i've been listening to your podcast so you've Aww. kind of brought me Aww. into the world i mean really it's just been i don't know cursory like i mean i Obviously, I love the Shining movie. I had read parts of some of the books. I'd never really dived, dove all the way in. But a few years back, a good friend of mine at work, uh, he and I were traveling all over the country together, and he was talking about the Dark Tower series. He actually has like Dark Tower tattoos and stuff like that. When he was explaining it to me, I thought it sounded interesting, but I was, you know, I'm very lazy. And um, <laughs> I finally um, one day uh, I was actually getting LASIK on my on my eyes and I couldn't uh, I couldn't read anything I couldn't see anything I was basically stuck like in a dark room for a couple of days and prior to doing this I just I, like I downloaded the audiobook of the gunslinger and and the second book too I'm sorry that title is escaping me please don't shoot me <laughs> but, uh, but anyway from the moment I heard the first line right mm-hmm. about man in black and gunslinger followed right I was hooked, 100% hooked, <laughs> and I, I'm currently almost all the way through the series. I, I think it's just the last of the main books for me. But I think my favorite so far, uh, just in case you care, it's the one with the big flashback, the one that some people really, really hate for whatever reason, but the one with the big flashback where we learn about you know, Roland's and past and everything. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, like, Wizard of Glass is amazing. <sighs> also my favorite and my favorite, he passes. Do I even need to ask? I don't think you do. I think you- <laughs> well, you already asked. That's technically his second question. Oh, oh I'm sorry. That's true. I asked two questions. <laughs> well, what was the second question just for uh, that for one? Last. And if you want to answer it, feel free to. It is. Do you have a Stephen King moment from any of his work? Something that's stuck out to you? Hopefully in a really disturbing way. Like that's the really good stuff that we like. <laughs> Wow, let me think here. Uh, it would be from the Dark Tower series, of mm-hmm. course. I remember this. I mean, I think both of my moments are from the Gunslinger. The first one was just that line. I mean, it's just it is maybe the greatest opening line I've I've ever read. When Jake falls and he says, "Go there, there are other worlds than these." Again, and I know it's cliche and it's from <laughs> that book, but it just like yeah, it, it messed with me. I was just like, "Wait a second, he's falling like he's falling to his death, and he's just like." Yeah, fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, fine, whatever. Go on. Go live your life, right? Like, there's other worlds. I'll probably be fine. Or not. Don't know. But I, I just thought I thought it was so interesting that Roland really had no clue what was going on, right? And Jake has it kind of figured out. Like, mm-hmm. in that moment, he, he has it figured out, and it's setting the stage for everything that's to come. And and going back and when, you know, and listening to your podcast and, and talking with CM and stuff, like, and finding out really that, that uh, you know, 
Stephen King didn't really know where it was going. Yeah, <laughs> for right. sure. At that point, too, you know, it was just it was it was really, really cool. There's a lot of parallels there. So I know it's not weird and scary and gross, but it, it definitely did open my mind quite a bit to how good the series was going to be and what I was really in for. No, those are great answers. And it's only cliche if you get that tattooed on your body and then it's still fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I just wanted to to thank you again, CM. Uh, the last time I or one of the last times I visited, you gave me uh, the magazine with the original gunslinger in it. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, it is still um, in its plastic. It's on it's on my uh, my mantelpiece or it's on my mantle <laughs> out here. And I, I see it pretty much every day. So I, I wanted to tell you again how much I appreciated that gift. I knew it would have a good home. <laughs> so you're very welcome. All right. So he passes? Yeah. I didn't even and have to threaten him. No. I, I just had to sexualize him instead. <laughs> you go God. ahead and threaten. Oh, Actually, should we clarify for our listeners how you know Jeff? Because if this oh. they've gotten no additional information. I, this is going to sound weird. I met Jeff through my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Only sounds weird because you led with this is going to sound weird. Oh, that's that how, how that people works? normally meet people is through someone they know. Yeah. You know, what? I'm, let's just move on because I'm going to let that move so she can't edit it out. <laughs> okay. Seriously, though, I do want to say real quick that Jeff is a fellow musician and our listeners, if you have tuned into any of our dairy fight nights, you have heard some of Jeff's work because he has been so awesome and kind to us and wrote us a bunch of amazing wrestling intros for that show. So, yay! Oh my God. So we are discussing, we are discussing the story, that feeling from Everything's Eventual. First question right off the bat, what are your guys' thoughts on Deja Vu? Do you experience it? Do you get it a lot? Do you get it a little? What do you, what are your takes on Deja Vu? I've had Deja Vu recently. Um, really? So yeah, it yeah, it it I was typing something on my phone the other day and I I'm telling you I swear for sure I've typed that I've had that conversation in a dream somewhere before or or mm-hmm. I don't know maybe a parallel universe or something but yeah, I mean it does happen. It's weird. I don't know if it's real or if it's just a construct of just how screwed up my mind is after, you know, years of weird stuff, but um <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it, it it happens, and whatever it is, it is it is freaky. CM, I am a strong vooer. Ah, big voo over here. <laughs> Pardon? I yeah, I have it all the time. Oh and, really? Yeah, and when I was a teenager, and I was getting really into like astrology and, and Wicca, as you do when you're a gothy oh, teenager, yeah, like all, all the fun stuff. We all did. I I really leaned into it. It was like premonitions yeah it, it was so fun and then i became an adult and stopped believing in magic <laughs> is that Lame. what you're supposed to do when you become an adult <sighs> that's what i'm told i actually also had deja vu pretty recently i call my daughter very stupid names like toot monster and uh well she she toots a lot so she's a little toot monster so Fair. um she i, I like yelled out calling her that and then had a moment where I was like holy shit wait and I just I had this that exact moment the way everything looked and felt I felt like it had just been out of a dream <laughs> it's such a cool thing uh so what they say is that it is when you you get deja vu when your brain perceives what's happening now as a memory or something that already happened yeah, you so become they, detached from time yes. time is just a construct that time, we create. what is time nothing mm. <laughs> um, what i did find out that's very interesting did you know that there is an opposite of deja vu no. it is <laughs> yeah it is what sh- is it living no <laughs> is it like existing in a moment <laughs> it's See, I was trying to figure out what it would be also, but the actual what it actually is is so much weirder. It is uh jamais vu, which happens when someone has already been in almost the exact same situation but has no idea. What? But how how would you know? You don't. I feel like you would have to have jamais vu for someone else, on behalf of someone else. Oh. You see every time so you wouldn't see that be one your of your deja vu? <laughs> No, because you you're not experiencing it as a memory. You're just seeing your stupid friend do the same thing they always do and not realizing it. It's the same oh. thing. Wow, that is so interesting in light of some comments I have about 
what King says about the story at the end. Oh, all right. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. All right. Well, I thought that was interesting. Let's get into the story proper. Uh, we Our main characters, Carol and Bill Shelton, they're in their 50s in an awful sounding marriage. They're currently on the way to their second honeymoon. 25 years ago uh, was their first honeymoon. Coincidentally, on their first honeymoon, Carol mentions she wanted to be railed into despair. And I just thought that was a real fun note from King. Based on this, like our first meeting of these guys, what's your first impressions of Bill and Carol? Carol's a little bored. Uh, Carol's <laughs> bored and maybe a little angry. And Bill is detached and kind of a dick. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah, I had a similar except I think Carol's a lot angry and resentful. <laughs> and Bill's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> I have very strong feelings about these bastard. two. A real bastard. Yeah, they're not they're not very likable, which is interesting. You know, this is a, a short story, obviously, and we don't spend much time. Carol is the person whose perspective we are with. Mm -hmm. And he I feel like he doesn't try to make you like either of them. They're just people. That's like, painfully accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think part of that, as we go along in the story, I think it's because of the ending, like of, of, of what the story is about, like. I don't think you're supposed to like them because of That's what is to come. Very true. Also, but then I would feel more sorry for them. Maybe you're supposed to retroactively feel sorry for them. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. Right, well, we're talking around the end already, which honestly, in a story like this, talking we're going to talk about the end multiple times. Because on <laughs> nice. this drive, thank you. Nice. Uh, on this drive to their second honeymoon. <laughs> Carol keeps having these feelings. This It's not exactly deja vu, though, because she's wrong half the time, which I thought was an interesting choice. She's like, around yeah. this corner, there's going to be a, a girl in a red pinafore, and she's going to be holding a doll. And, hey, and Josh, her, yeah. I actually have a wrong counter in my notes. Are you uh, serious? <laughs> yes, I have a wrong counter for Carol. Uh, so that is r Carol's wrong counter. Number one, girl not holding doll upside down. Wow, nice. <laughs> Excellent yeah. notes. I love it. But yeah, it's, it's simple things where it's predominantly correct, mm -hmm. but one minor thing is different. And I thought that was an interesting choice given what the story is called. Yeah. You think it would be a hundred percent accurate every time that throw you guys. What I think is interesting as we get farther into it and I didn't, because uh, we had to reschedule this podcast. I've now written, I read this story a couple of times. Right. And mm -hmm. this last time I actually got more out of it, believe it or not. I think the wrong counter as we go through, when we get closer to the end of the story, I think, I think it starts to make more sense. Um, and, and I didn't notice it until I started keeping track of the number of times she was wrong. Interesting. Uh, I also do have a Carol's right counter. Oh, <laughs> we'll save that for later. <laughs> yes. Well. Do you have a Bill's a dick counter? Kind of. I My second note here is Bill, Bill is irritated with her, <laughs> which is basically Bill being a dick. Right. I almost wrote Bill is irritated that she exists. Yeah. Because that's kind of the energy that it brings. She's on this drive. She's reflecting on uh, on these memories. There, there's not a lot of dialogue between her and Bill at mm -hmm. all. And she's thinking about her grandmother and that her grandmother gave her this medallion and but warned her that all the hard days would be ahead. And that's like accurate. But what a harsh thing to say to a 10 year old. Grandma, man. stop it. <laughs> By the way, I, I did you notice how King got to breasts from Mary Mother of God in three moves? <laughs> Expertly. Yeah. Expertly, I might add. Expertly. Um, we also, I, I wanted to say, I, had, I wanted to talk for a minute about the Floyd thing, because the uh, the Floyd thing from the very first line. Oh, yeah, I didn't theme. mention that at the very beginning. Duh. But my favorite, my favorite thing here is this story about uh, the Floyd from their past, which is not the Floyd from the story. <laughs> but she's trying to think. And Floyd stole money. Right. Mm -hmm. And took this girl to, I don't know, somewhere, took this girl away and he got caught. Now he got suspended and she got expelled. He stole the money, mm -hmm. but he got he got suspended and she got expelled. And I know it's like ancillary to the story entirely, but wow, that's really unfair. It's it's it reflects it's a mirror of Carol and Bill's relationship because of what she sacrificed for their marriage mm. and what he did kind of oh, in return, yeah. which is what her resentment stems from. 
the, the consequences are always heavier. On yes, the, the side. women always sacrifice more, and the men get to stick their dick in whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I completely missed that. I am a brick. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was unfair. That's it why. definitely no, is I, unfair. I'm glad you pointed that out. I didn't think about it until you pointed it out, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> this story is kind of weird. It's I'm realizing now as we're getting into it that it's a little hard to talk about because so much of it is detached moments as she's thinking about something here or there. Everything felt like a clue. <laughs> so yeah. yes. I made, I mean, I didn't make as many notes as Jeff. <laughs> but I made so many notes that I was like, this might be important, and I don't know. I also did that. The first time I read it, I was like, man, what does this mean that she was wrong? Like, I was trying to put it together like a detective, and it I don't know that it means anything necessarily. Yeah, not all of it does, you know? I mean, like, she spends a half of a paragraph reminiscing about horniness, and then sometimes she's still horny, but... <laughs> And that didn't end up really meaning anything other than just like, again, I think that's just backstory for the character. And I don't want to miss out on the wrong counter. We have two and three there between between horniness and uh, breasts in three moves, uh, which is uh, two for no, no crosses and three for no sign. Yeah, you please feel free to just bring out the, that Pepper counter man. throughout as we go. Yes. Ding. <laughs> Like, Joshua, what you, what you said is very accurate. It's hard to take notes on this in a way. All of my notes aren't about plot or what happened. It's just a lot of ranting and rambling about the ideas of the story itself. Mm. All right. I, you know what? Uh, let's jump to something that we can get into a little bit. As she's feeling off, Bill <laughs> makes a comment that she shouldn't have what i don't know feeling uh. off is weird that's a weird <laughs> way to phrase it she is she's trying to piece together why she feels strange and can't quite put her finger on it i i just i heard it the wrong way i didn't hear oh. feeling off i heard feeling off like like it was <laughs> oh my yeah she's she's over here feeling off feel in the passenger off. seat <laughs> and bill notices her feeling herself off <laughs> And no, yes, I can't cut his, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I'll take it. I'm now. not normally this way. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Bill's response to her is that, well, you shouldn't have slept on the plane, probably. It's so dismissive mm -hmm. that she could want to maybe talk at all. Every time she speaks, she gets shut down. And I just found it interesting that it's from this dismissal that she naturally segues into talking about their relationship, how they came from a $90 a month apartment to, to taking private jets, which is what they took for this. Mm -hmm. What did you guys think of that, their initial love story, how, how they came together? That was the only thing that did kind of touch me and make me feel like they were not just irritating people because I, I did mourn for her a little bit that loss of what their relationship could have been. So I think this is where we're finding out that she grew up in a very religious environment. Her parents didn't want her to marry Bill mm. because he wasn't the right kind of uh, religious upbringing that matched theirs. And she did it anyway. And early in their marriage, she had this secret abortion because it, it was bad timing and they wanted to make a life for themselves, which they eventually did. And he is very successful. And then later in their marriage, he has this affair and, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with her sacrificing something. And then sort of like, I think from her perspective, this is how he repays what she sacrificed so that they could have this life together, this nice life that they built. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of the focus is on who she, I guess she gave up her morals or who she saw herself as for him and the repayment for that was not equal <laughs> i'm wondering though uh, not i don't want to be on bill's side in any way shape or form because he <laughs> fucking sucks but it's there's also reference to the fact that when he was when this moment in time happened what they told everyone was a miscarriage and what king very cleverly never refers to he never outright says that's what happened he constantly refers to the miscarriage and it being a story, which I thought mm -hmm. was interesting. But she does this when he is still at a point in his career where there's no guarantee that anything's going right. to happen because computers are still new. And she has this abortion and she, of course, stays with him. 
And I was curious about how much at that point is she staying with him, not because she made the sacrifice for his career and for for that, but because of how many people in her family told her not to marry him. And then this happens. Yeah, for sure. And then that's his response. Yeah, because they he basically proved her family right. Mm -hmm. Like he's not good enough for you. And then he does this. And you only find out by (laughs) doing something you can't take back. Yeah. What's interesting about that too is that um she she even talks about it. She talks about like basically that her dad was wrong about Bill, right? Mm -hmm. After the Burma shave joke goes over her head, um (laughs) she talks about Also my uh, head. Oh, you I remember don't the get that oh, joke. Man, I'm old. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> that's that's me uh, lamenting my my age. Um, but uh, but she even I mean she makes it a point to say that her dad was wrong about Bill. So CM, I think that's a great point. That part of the the reason that she's hanging around, you know, is that failure at this point proves them ultimately right. No matter how mm-hmm. rich she is, no matter how great everything is. Also, I, I wanted uh, something that, that that CM said that got my my mind going. Um, during that whole scene where, like, you know, he starts getting a little gropey and he and he gets in there a little bit, and <laughs> she basically <laughs> says, like, you know, th- she says that she's allowing it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so that he'll be less irritated, and it's her like giving again, right? Yeah, because she doesn't she doesn't want she doesn't want to be the one. You get this feeling like Bill's, you know, because we already know Bill's a real dick that. If if she doesn't like, I don't know, reciprocate or or whatever mm-hmm. that like she needs to de-escalate or Bill will just continue to be a dick and then things you know get a little horny again. <laughs> oh, I have very strong <laughs> feelings about that too. I I don't know if we should talk about it. Yeah. Now or later because it, it's more of a overall view of the story itself. Okay. We can hang on to it. For yeah, a, let's hang on to it. Yeah. But for now, can I add, can I read a quote that I. I thought was very beautiful and sad. Yeah. And it's and it's in this part where she's talking about kind of like, I fucking hate this guy, but I do still love him. And what she says is that about their marriage, there was love, still love, a kind that girls in Catholic school uniforms don't suspect, a weedy, unlovely species too tough to die. <laughs> it's just, that's, it's mm. oh my God, that's brutal. It's it's the best line in this book it's like the most poetic line in the story and it it shows that they they are not separating from one another no matter how their situation would ever grow they're no matter what traumas the love is there and she can't uproot it Mm -hmm. so after some more back and forth and uh do we have an update on the oh oh, absolutely yeah uh we um i I don't know exactly how far we are but uh we hit uh, four and five on the carol's wrong counter uh no woman drying her hands and uh, Mm. a two mile sign instead of a three mile sign which actually um keep that in your mind because that that comes into the point i'm going to make later about this um and then also we get a carol's right counter (laughs) finally Hilariously, I forgot to note what she was. So, one point in this conversation with Bill, she scratches her head, her head itches, and these instead of dandruff, she has these big black flakes that are appearing on her <laughs> oh. hand. That was upsetting. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, so gross. It was, and then you start run, running through your head. What could it possibly be? And then she says one of the pieces has Mother Teresa's face on it, which, with all the other religious imagery yeah, we've gotten, yeah. very purposeful. And then when Bill looks at her, he cries out and almost drives off the road. And uh, she's reaching down and picking up the paper to show him. She looks back and his glasses are melted to his face and one of his eyeballs is out of the socket and split like a grape. Tough break, Bill. Fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a cool description. Yeah, it was really brutal. I don't feel bad for him, though. It gets worse. I mean, like, uh, the descriptions of Bill dying increasingly get worse. So if you don't like Bill, this is the story for you. Yeah. I can't get the imagery of an eyeball split like a grape out of my head. So we we have this big moment. She It crescendos with her trying to scream in horror, and she can't. And then Bill's shaking her awake. It was all a dream, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. It's all safe. They're they're on the oh. jet and they're uh they're about to land in Florida to get in their car to go on their second honeymoon. 
And she and this is a this is a thing that that happens is that she starts to hazily recall the nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. Which is you know, and I I thought this was was an interesting sort of description. She's she's coming out of it, and and to her it was just a dream. It was a really bad dream, and she's back on the plane, right? And mm-hmm. you'll start to you'll start to see you know how how it all starts to come together, especially after the sort of the next next loop. But we uh, we immediately get a Carol's wrong number six. Witting, which is uh, uh, she thinks it's going to be a caddy or a Lincoln, but it turns out to be a Crown Vic. And again, mm-hmm. this this matters. And this is I, I just I really like the the way that uh, King starts to what he does here, like how like especially in going back and reading again. I did not pick this up the first time, the first time I went through it. So how he starts to like lay the foundation for the, the point I'm going to make later about this um, going back and forth. I'm so excited <laughs> to get too. to this. It's not that good. It's just, it just is. You well, know? You're, you're really building it up. Oh, I'm going to stop that. Cut the, edit that. <laughs> I, I did make one note that was a little bit on Bill's side. And that was that CM, CM and I could never be married to this woman because of her massive hatred for type A behavior. Yeah. And that's, that's really, that's us. <laughs> it's so, Plus for Bill there, but a minus for when he checks out the car rental. Yeah. <laughs> How <laughs> fucked is that? Like, Sup. be a douchebag on your own time. It's your second yeah. honeymoon. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's so disrespectful of her right from the jump. And I think it's a great way of saying that this isn't this experience isn't going to make their relationship any different. I mm-hmm. think it gives her credibility, too, because in the first part of this when she's wanting to tell him what she's feeling and why she's upset but she can't because he will be so critical of her you almost you don't know yet if that is her perspective and if she's just filtering all of his actions you know if it's her or him essentially Mm -hmm. and as the story goes on you get more and more evidence that no, he is how she is describing him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been kind of a, an irritable jerk like up to this point, but we still don't even know about the affair yet. Mm-hmm. So this is this is the first time where he's just like flat out a b hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's yeah, it's right after this part that we get the you know he slept with his secretary, and this is kind of goes back to the uh, line that CM you read was uh, that if her strongest feelings were her only feelings, mm-hmm. she would have left him. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah, gets you. So this time we're going to get uh, some more updates on the counter, I bet, because this time yes. they pass by the grocery <laughs> store. Hit us with it, Jeff. So, well, <laughs> Carol is wrong well before the grocery store. <laughs> 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 Carol, Carol is wrong, number seven, ding, uh, because... Uh, well, actually, we don't know if she's hot. We just know that she's a car rental lady and that she has legs and a short skirt. <laughs> uh, but we don't know if she's hot. That's true. So she doesn't drop the clipboard. However, we're going to get a Carol's Right counter number two, woot woot, uh, because Bill does, in fact, say, whoopsie daisy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I hate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> she thought she thought uh, he would say whoopsie daisy when she dropped the clipboard. But uh, actually, he says whoopsie daisy when she slips and he catches her by the mm-hmm. arm. Ah, yes. <laughs> I thought it was interesting about, you know, she thinks about him banging his secretary, right? We first, this is where we really learn about the affair, and, but she didn't leave him. And, and, and I, I don't know, I, my shorthand here was about, she didn't leave him because of love and secrets. And mm. we, we already have a little bit of that foreshadowing. I mean, the first time you hear about the miscarriage, it's heavily implied that there is more yeah. there. Yeah. But, but this is to me the second time where it's like, okay, there's something, there's something deeper here that these people are not just staying together because of money or love or whatever. There's something darker going mm-hmm. on. Now, after passing the general store, this time she gets everything right except for the name, so that's good, right? No, actually, uh, she, <laughs> Josh no. wrong counter. <laughs> no, oh my Josh wrong, is counter. wrong counter number one. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, you're right. I, I'm sorry. Um. The Floyd thing appears again, by the way, and I thought it was interesting that this time that, that he that she doesn't remember the story of of the of the guy that stole the money and, yeah. and the girl. Mm-hmm. He she doesn't remember that this time, uh, but she was wrong. Number eight, uh, there is no mark on the toll taker, like he didn't have a mark mm-hmm. on, his, oh, on right. his face. Yeah. She's wrong about the store name, but Carol is right about uh, she gets the details about the girl this time. Mm-hmm. That's about, right with the doll, and and so this was interesting to me. 
and this is what I, this is what I've been driving at. And it's like I said, it's not some big epiphany or whatever. But like as we go through this, the loops start getting more and more condensed. Right? She starts getting the details right. And that's kind of what I wanted to discuss later is ah. how many times have they been through this, mm-hmm. right? How many times did it take her to get these details right? Because it seems like now every time she goes through, she's getting a little bit closer yeah. to what she's going to see. So she she's getting a lot less wrong and a lot more right. <laughs> uh, this is the first time that she has a, that internal deja vu about the last trip because she says, this is when I ask how much further. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But yeah. But I'm not going to. I will not ask how much mm-hmm. further immediately. How much further? Fuck! Uh, it just shows that she doesn't have autonomy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, while- and also, that's the thing in the earlier on, that's the thing that like started the irritation with Bill. Like, even, mm-hmm. maybe he was a little irritated because of the thing at the plane, but it like perpetuated it when she's like, how much further? And he's mm-hmm. like, you know? So he like gives her the look or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's when he gets gropey and she's like, oh, please don't be mad. Grope away. Oh, God. Uh, it's uh, feel off, Jeff. Is the, the nomenclature. I, that oh, now we, I really can't cut this um, Okay. I have to ask you guys this. This is At this point, it's the screaming internally at herself to fucking change anything, any detail at all. Just mm-hmm. do something. And she can't. Is this style of horror your guys' jam? Because I fucking love it. I, it's, yeah, it's that infuriating. You're doing that with her. Like, yes, do change it. Literally anything. <laughs> it's very anxiety provoking. 100%. I love it. I love, mm-hmm. I love loop stories. And this is a cool take on it mm-hmm. because you're starting to get the feeling like there isn't really an end to this loop. Like, there isn't an off ramp mm-hmm. here. So, and she every time every time she loops, she thinks that she's having a dream, right? And you and you'll see more of that later. But like, yes, I I love it, hundred percent. In <laughs> uh, after she's looking for a way to change stuff, she looks at the speedometer, and now it's an uh, an what an altim. God, now I'm gonna say this altimeter, word. yeah, altimeter, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a speedometer, now it's an altimeter. And she hears Bill making the comment about you shouldn't have slept on the plane. She scratches her head. The black flakes are back. The speed altimeter blows out at 16,000 feet and Bill has no reaction whatsoever. And then there's that Floyd oh shit. She turns her head just enough to see the words Delta mm. and she's back on the plane. Everything's fine. It was just a dream, guys. I, Everything's I wanna, fine. I want to say here that something we haven't talked about is that we keep seeing Mother Mary, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With her arms out. Mm-hmm. And th- this is the first time I really noticed it where right near the end right near she's spiraling right she's got more memories of sin and, and boobs and, and losing, uh, her, losing her pendant and yeah right right she hears the floyd you got the itchy head and she's having the memories about the early days of their marriage and all that stuff and it's all like kind of like crashing together right mm-hmm. and uh, she sees mother mary and then mm-hmm. melty bill <laughs> melty uh, bill <laughs> uh bill with his i believe uh, his neck splits open and his mouth <laughs> is quote a blood hole <laughs> It's not split grapes, but it's pretty good. Ooh, yeah. That's horrifying. Yes. <laughs> it's horrifying. So now we're we're back at the start of this loop, and I want to uh, ask you guys the same question she thinks about. She reflects on a night when she asked Bill what Bill thought happened when you died. Mm-hmm. Let's get deep, guys. What do you think? What do I think happens when yeah. we die? Yeah. yeah what, what is your afterlife? Jeff? Darkness. Um, Imprisoning you? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Um, uh, no, I'm, it's just darkness where I'm feeling off. I, I don't know. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, I just, I don't, I don't really believe in an afterlife. I, I believe that, I believe that when we're gone, we're gone. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I want to get too philosophical. I believe in, in energy and I believe in like, you know, that, consciousness you know consciousness is a special thing right mm-hmm. and so there is a great mystery around around certain things about resonance and and you know can can a consciousness continue on does it happen in a loop you know like you know is, is there like a um if if the death or something is strong enough like if it's you know it can it cause some kind of like spectral aberration i don't know i'm open to it why not sounds cool mm-hmm. but personally i think that death itself the consciousness itself um it's it's just it's just over like this is what we get 
And um, when when we pass from this mortal coil, that our bodies go back to where they came from. That's so you just described my afterlife, basically. Like, ener- yeah, energy, maybe it goes somewhere. Will I be aware of that as who I am now? Probably absolutely not. But my my dream that I what I want my death and afterlife, quote unquote, to be is like I hope my my neurons are just firing, kind of going crazy. And I want to go into space. I just want my energy, whatever form that is, to just shoot off and just be in space. And that's how I will achieve space travel. Um well noted. Both of you chose uh, we'll give you oblivion. The old <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> Shoot you right into space. Uh, I funny. I. <laughs> what about you, Josh? Bill. Bill's take is that his impression of what happens when you die is you get what you think you deserve. Because Ooh. when uh, I believe that when you are dying, when you your brain, we don't know when people say they've like seen the afterlife. You know, it's just when your brain dies. It's Jacob's ladder. It's mm-hmm. your brain. Who knows how much time? Because what is time? Mm-hmm. Uh, passes inside your head as you die. So if you are dying, then you'll. I assume your brain will fill in the gap of what you think is there. So CM, you're mm-hmm. gonna go to space, Jeff. Yes. I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> you're oblivious. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go to space for okay. another reason. So I have a bucket list. Oh my god. And the last couple things on my bucket list are. Hard drugs, like <laughs> needle, needle drugs. Holy so shit! When oh, I'm, get it. Hopefully, hopefully on, on my death, but hopefully I'll have like a I'll, wow. an old lady death, and I'm gonna be like, shoot me up with some heroin or something. Let's snort some stuff. I don't want to put oh, that yeah. in my body now. I want to take care of it. I'll only do like the the good healthy drugs. <laughs> you know what? If you outlive me, I'll help you. Thank you. You're welcome. The point of this uh, revelation in this conversation is that he basically says, if you knew you were going to hell, that's what you would find when you died. Mm -hmm. And that resonates with her because I have some questions then. (laughs) (laughs) Questions about what? Well, first of all, by the way, when this loop resets, going back to something you said, Josh, I think I think you said it about how you want her to warn them, you know, like. Mm -hmm. This is the first time she comes out of it going like, I like I got to tell him I got to tell him 16,000 feet. And then she wakes up and it's kind of she's like, oh, no, I'm on the plane. It's just a dream. And you're like, mm-hmm. no, it's a dream. <laughs> but uh, no, my questions are like, if this is the case, why does she think that this car ride that never actually happens, by the way, this car yeah. ride never actually yeah. happens because they die in, in the air, presumably. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Uh, I for a hot minute, I had this this idea of maybe the reason that she's like getting it wrong is because as they spiral down towards the ground they pass some of these things like yeah. as they're crashing but there's Ooh, no way she could actually yeah. see that yeah so that's a stupid thought um, well that i just that's not to. stupid they she talks about the the brain's ability to create these parlor tricks of eternity in a small space mm-hmm. if she looked down and she saw above a grocery store she could be filling in a generic mm-hmm. grocery store, a, a a girl from a different time and years ago that she saw in front of a store. It could be culminating. Her whole life could be condensed into this moment. And aren't they returning to a place they've been? No, no. Oh, is this, this returning is a new to the location? same state. Both honeymoons were in Florida. Uh, maybe it was a similar neighborhood. I don't know. A hundred percent. She said she says before that they were on the other side of the state. They were on the Atlantic side, and that this is like a totally different trip. Yeah, same neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, couldn't agree more. It, it's just interesting that it that this idea of you you get what you think you should get. Like so, her her hell, I guess is is this this weird car ride that never happens and i and my questions are just why 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 is that what she thinks that she should be doing for eternity well she or that's be- what she is. believes she deserves to be in purgatory i spoilers for the end of the story but i also feel like <laughs> i feel like she knows it's unfair though because it's it's like she's trying to finish their trip by not dying so like this is what would have happened except it's all continuing to go wrong because Deep down, she feels she doesn't deserve that happy ending, that conclusion that, yeah, we made it. We're taking this drive. We're only a couple miles there. She deserves to feel miserable for the rest of her life. That's what she Yeah, I don't think that's purgatory, boss. (laughs) 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 
um, we this is where we also find out that we see Mother Teresa on the fa- uh, on the mm-hmm. magazine that Bill is reading. Mm-hmm. She is wanting to warn them. It fades, and then we hear Floyd says, "We'll be on the ground." Floyd's the name of the pilot. Oh ah! no! <laughs> Not this stupid childhood Twist. friend bullshit. <laughs> that is also. Uh, to me, establishes this her believing she belongs in purgatory because if this were a an actual time loop of any kind, Bill would, when she asks about Floyd, they just left the plane. So he Floyd, he would think first the pilot and not his childhood friend. So that's just another, mm. to reiterate that they died in the air mm-hmm. because yeah, this drive point. never happened. Yeah, I didn't think um, I'd also like to point out my last counter. Ooh. Yes. Uh, yeah. She got a bunch of things. She kind of got a... Like it happened really, really fast, right? So she's her memory. I have noticed that she's, but the the thing that she definitely got right this time, she's right number four, ding, mm-hmm. uh, that she knows it's a Crown Vic this time. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. I just think it's really interesting because from the beginning of the story to the end of the story, like she every time through the loop, she learns or she remembers a little bit more. And since we know now that this never actually happened, right? Mm-hmm. Is this just her? I don't know. Like, is this just her? Like continuing to like perpetuate the details is this like getting it getting it straight like at some point is it just literally going to be the same thing every time and that deja vu is bang on like this is loop four right mm-hmm. if the first one presumably was, was, yeah had never yeah had never happened or maybe it had happened a couple times before how many times before it's just literally the same thing over and over and she's like groundhog's day but also a dream terrifying mm. yeah yeah <laughs> that's that that gives it another level of anxiety for me that 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 kind of perpetuates the idea that this there's an insanity here which is a point i want to talk about kind of as we're wrapping up sure all right let's uh wrap up the story and then we'll get to our final thoughts okay. because it's at this point all throughout she's been trying to remember this nursery rhyme that has been uh, that they used to do on, on the playground that they weren't allowed to. And it was uh, Mary, Mary, what's the story? And then she couldn't remember the rest of it. And finally, it's at this point when she realizes what she's facing, that she remembers the end of the rhyme. Save my ass from purgatory. I thought it was going to be you're married to Bill and he's so horny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're going to feel his hand on your leg for eternity. eternity. (laughs) The the last note I had, though, was uh, that her grandma at the beginning of this, her grandma was slightly off. The hard day are coming. <laughs> Good. Good <one>. <laughs> <laughs> the nice hard day sucker. are coming. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's that's <laughs> that feeling. Let's final thoughts. Throw them out. Okay. So King says in his afterward to this that this this story he thinks is about hell, which he considers to be repetition. And I think that's interesting because he's a recovering addict. And one of the principles of programs like AA and Al-Anon is that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So when I read that, that for some people, hell is other people, but he thinks it's repetition. Maybe he wasn't thinking of addiction. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But for me personally, I was considering what my personal hell would be in being an Al-Anon member, as soon as I thought of his words in that context, it gave the story a very interesting feeling for me. Not one that I can only say in French, but (laughs) it made me shift from feeling a little bit like, eh, like this is okay. The characters are not really likable. They're kind of irritating to being able to get a little bit of a deeper meaning from it because obviously we all absorb media through our own lens. And as someone whose day job is fighting social injustice, because I'm a social worker and a human being with a fucking heart, I can't help but have a reaction to this story about a woman who has trapped herself in this awful place over guilt imposed on her by a bunch of dudes who decided that, oh, what a unique way to control women's bodies and sexuality, create a religion. Sorry, I know. You're not wrong. No one's interjecting because you're not wrong. It's, I just had this really gross, gross reaction to it at first. Like, what is King trying to say? And am I pissed or am I reading, am I reading into the story some sort of judgment on his part? Am I being like constant readery? And so to write about something from more than one perspective, from more than one side, obviously, I don't think that means you condone everything you're writing about. I think he's just playing with these concepts And of course, like for the record, I know that 
not everybody who's religious sucks. <laughs> and there are religious organizations who do really great community work. And I appreciate that. It's just, if you're not one of those and you're the other ones that suck, just like choke on a dead dick. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. A melty bill dick. <laughs> a melty yeah. bill dick. So King, like, obviously many horror writers, this is going to sound so simple-minded. He explores concepts of good and evil in a lot of his work. And generally, I feel like it's vague enough. It's not like if you're religious, you can see God and the devil in his writing. And if you are not, it's not in your face because his his God is this unknowable force that takes this more passive role. Doesn't seem to be in a hurry for anything, kind of playing the long game. And the devil's like, hey, guys, I'm here to party and be in your face. It's my day. And people persevere in his stories against good or evil, quote unquote, through their own merit, not without a little bit of help from like what we call, you know, what King calls the white. And this story is a little bit different. I feel like when it comes to that, it's a little more overtly like looking at religion and those specific concepts of God, the devil, heaven and hell. And although, again, he places the power of this back onto the individual, but in this case, it's not the power to like defeat the ultimate evil. It's the power to create your own personal hell based on what you decide you deserve. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. That's no. just all that, the no, things the story did to me. <laughs> you said, like, yeah, uh, it's that sums pretty much everything up, I think. Well, I just I wanted to just say, CM, since you touched on the addiction aspect of it, uh, mm-hmm. I also have you know a personal connection to that, as you know. What's terrifying about that, okay, is that there is no off ramp in this story, mm-hmm. right? So you know you talk about Al Anon, you talk about program and stuff like that. Like, there's an off ramp there, yeah. But in this particular story, there isn't, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it's it's a it's a it is a, whether or not he meant it, you know, mm-hmm. consciously, subconsciously, or not, or not at all. Maybe we're just making connections. It's a fascinating allegory, right? My my thing was also on in wrapping up it was on the religion aspect of it. So and it's a little more surface level. You got really deep and cool and introspective. And <laughs> I I have simple questions like, so are they sharing a hell? Like, or is this her hell? And this is what she envisioned. Like, her hell is him forever. Um, you know, why is she in hell? Is it because she believes that the abortion was wrong, that she is still religious enough to believe deep down that she should be in hell because of the abortion? And she believes that he is in hell with her because of the affair? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, so is it, a, is it a shared experience? Is it just her hell? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. I think this story is a redemption story. Hmm. In hmm. that, because of the way it has changed and because of the way we've established kind of uh, the loose rules to this universe based on if, if it is what she thinks she believes, which is kind of what we're all subscribing to, mm-hmm. because she is recognizing the things that are wrong my impression is that this loop will continue until she realizes Mm. she actually doesn't deserve this and when she realizes she doesn't deserve this it's over that's actually a great point because that's i and maybe i'm wrong here but one i i think it's the catholic interpretation of purgatory is if it is purgatory like you said and and not hell mm-hmm. um, there is actually a way out mm-hmm. like you it may take a very very long time i think dante's inferno touches on that in, yes uh well purgatory purgatory I mean, touches yeah. on it <laughs> but um you you can get out so maybe you're right maybe maybe the progression that's actually that's fantastic i hadn't thought about that until just now thank you josh like wow <laughs> <laughs> for for those of you listening because they can't see the video that's my my brain <laughs> like bill <laughs> like a split grape <laughs> and a blood hole <laughs> uh should we do ratings yeah let's do it um i'll, I'll go first mm-hmm. i really enjoy this story i love uh, trapped in a time loop scenarios and i loved it and now I love it even more after the discussion we've had. Five out of five blue chambray shirts. CM? I had a little bit of a hard time with this story, like I said, because the characters weren't very likable. And then I had that internal battle. Like, am I reading things into it that don't exist? Am I being, you know, weird and idiotic? But actually talking to you guys about it and just this last part where we were talking about our interpretation and what we got out of it and that we all kind of had these really different but unique and I think cool ideas about it and what it meant to us 
elevates it a little more even for me. Not that I'm sure anybody would believe that I would give it a lower rating, (laughs) (laughs) but whatever. I'm going to give it five out of five blue chambray shirts. Jeff? Well, I actually, uh, like CM, I actually enjoyed it more after our discussion. And actually, because I ended up reading it multiple times, I actually enjoyed it more as as I read through it. And uh, I, I think it opens up a lot of cool questions and a lot of great discussion. However, um, is it the gunslinger? Because that's sort of like my baseline for five out of five. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, no. So uh, while our discussion, it elevated it for me. It was like kind of a three out of five for me. But now it's a it's a four out of five because of uh, the the thought provoking discussion it 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 brought to the table. Nice. Fantastic. Uh, Jeff, before we let you go, uh, do you want to plug anything you have coming at your socials or anything like that? where people can find you? Well, being that this will be pre-recorded, and I don't know when it's going to air, <laughs> I'll just say that my music is available uh, at music.jeffreyloader.com, which will be, a, I'm assuming, in a link. And also, uh, I have a band called The Last Glimpse, and uh, music.thelastglimpse.com. And you can find my photography on Instagram at, uh, at jeffreyloader, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-L-O-D-E-R. So come say hello. Tell me if it sucks or not. It's fine. <laughs> if you like it, cool. If, if you don't like it, like we, we can talk about it. What don't you like? You know, it'll be great. We can discuss it. We'll make a podcast out of why, why my stuff sucks. Ladies. <laughs> uh, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us. Uh, we appreciate hanging mm-hmm. out with you. You're such a good time. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I've, I've been wanting to do this for a mm-hmm. while. Uh, and it's it's been really, really fun. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode. For CM Alexander and Jeffrey Loader, this is Joshua Kahn saying, it wasn't just love that held people together. There were secrets and the price you paid to keep them. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deja Vu is what I'm going to call it. We hope you enjoyed it. And thank you to our special guest, Jeff Loader. Please check out his work. We will have all the links for that in the show notes. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.